2: Our world has been turned upside down, and on The New Abnormal, we'll talk about the people who got us
3: into this mess and how we'll hopefully get ourselves out of it. What an interesting show we have today. Max Rose, who's running for Congress in New York City, will talk to us about his race and talking to the right-wing media. Then The Daily Beast's Zach Petrizzo will give us an update on all the latest wacky stuff happening in MAGA world. But first, let's have some fun. Andy. What's my full name, Molly? I don't want people yelling at us. I don't
1: even fucking know it.
2: Who are you? God damn
1: it. I was promised a libertarian. <laughs> wow.
2: wow. Wow. That's smart. Molly Jongfest.
1: Oh, you know, speaking of jongs, Donald Trump stays in communication with Kim Jong.
2: I think that's sweet.
1: It's sweet, right?
2: Yeah, don't you think that's sweet?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a sort of modern friendship, a kind of modern fairy tale if you will.
2: It's a you've got male for the 21st century.
3: <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs>
3: I cannot believe we've gotten this far off the rails this fast, Jesus. So it occurs to me that Congress right now is the dumbest place to possibly work in America at this point.
1: All right, so let's talk about this because I actually don't believe that Congress is the dumbest. No, I'm just kidding. I do. But I want to say (laughs) that Massey, Kentucky's own Thomas Massey, did actually go to MIT. So this is performative moronics. This isn't real moronics, right? Marjorie Taylor Greene, I do believe— Gaspacho, Gestapo, she is a fucking moron. But I want to get back to Thomas Massey and Nancy Mace, who today endorsed Donald Trump in the hopes of getting (laughs) him to endorse her. There are a lot of smart people pretending, or not even smart, there are a lot of relatively intelligent people pretending to be fucking morons. Discuss.
2: Let's start with Thomas Massey, who tweeted the other day that over 70% of Americans who died with COVID died on Medicare. And some people want (laughs) Medicare for all. Okay,
1: so (laughs) Medicare begins at age 65.
2: And obviously, older people were more likely to die of COVID. So blaming this on Medicare, it's a bit of a leap to be charitable. So he's got a degree, I think, in electrical engineering. And look, I don't know anything about electrical engineering. And if I talked about that, I would sound really stupid. So it's possible that he only knows about electrical engineering and doesn't know how the world works outside of that. I don't know, is he stupid or does he just have really special? Knowledge and that's it. It's so hard to tell.
1: Well, you know, look, we are in the Republican primary season, right? We're running up to it, and we are in a Republican party that has discovered that if you are as stupid. And racist and awful as possible, you can win. Uh, So I think that's—we're reaping the stupid benefits of this shittiness now. I think, you know, we've gone to the bad place.
2: I think that's true. I'm sort of at the point where I don't care if it's performative. Like, I don't care if you're actually stupid or if you're just pretending to be stupid because either way, you're stupid. (laughs) Pretending to be stupid as a plus— No, sorry. That's (laughs) stupid. I think he means this, though. Like, do you think he's just trolling here?
1: No. There are times when Republican candidates troll the media and troll this sort of Democrats. But this, I think, is actually Republican candidates realizing that the Republican base— loves the stupid and can't get enough of it.
2: No, you're right. I shouldn't I shouldn't have said trolling. It's it's more the what I mean is so you think this is performative is what I meant.
1: I mean, I think they think our people respond to stupid racism. Let's go. And I mean and I think what we've seen from congressional gerrymandering, which is very boring, but the net net of it is red seats are redder, blue seats are bluer, ergo Red primaries are going to get fucking insane because the only way to win them is to appeal to the basest instincts of the Republican Party. And Democrats are going to want to give you free glasses. Two sides.
3: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Democrats want to lower insulin and Republicans want to kill all black
3: people. are the glasses you're talking about the crack pipes that they were saying they're giving away?
1: Okay, so... One of the many lies that we're going to see shopped up to the midterm is something that Sean Hannity tried out yesterday with the dumbest. Actually, he's quite smart, which is more performative moronics. The junior senator from Louisiana, Senator Kennedy, no relation to the anti-vaxxer, said that that Biden was handing out crackpipes. Biden is not handing
2: out crack pipes. To me, there's two parts to this story. One is, you know, <laughs> so the idea was to was to hand out these free. What do they call? They call them like drug kits or harm they, whatever
1: Yeah, for yeah.
2: right, and and they're meant for harm reduction for for drug addicts. And the idea being like, look, ideally you would want people not to be drug addicts, but as sort of a stopgap measure, you want them to at least be drug addicts more safely, which seems rational actually to me, but what do I know? <laughs> so the question is, were there glass pipes in these kits that would be used for smoking crack? And the the administration says no, that there never were. And there's other stuff in them like lip balm and rubber stoppers and stuff like that. Put the pipes in there. Like that's the <laughs> second part of this to me. Like I don't I, I'm serious. Like I don't care if the pipes are in there. If something like that has been shown to help people, stopping them from dying from using a contaminated pipe or whatever, then do it. Maybe I'm just off the wall here, but like, I'm a little annoyed now that there aren't crack pipes in the <laughs> kid. Like, I think you do what you have to do. And I'm not, I'm not pro smoking crack or anything like that. I'm just like, if you have to mitigate things, then, then you mitigate them. And if this is what it takes, and I'm fairly certain that studies have shown that doing stuff like that is actually helpful uh, and saves lives, then do it and own it and stop caving. That's what the Democrats do that really bugs me, is they end up caving. And now, now I have no idea if there were ever crack pipes in, in this kit or there weren't. I, I just don't know what's going on because the Democrats, as far as I'm concerned, there could have been crack pipes or just glass pipes in the kits. And then the Democrats got nervous and said, oh, no, 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 that, that that's not true. So I just I end up getting annoyed at both sides, more so with the Republicans. But stand by your convictions. Like if you you have science behind you, you have studies that show that doing this stuff is helpful, then say that. Don't cower because Sean Hannity says, you know, this is bad. I'm just I'm so tired of it.
1: Well, I would say this. We are in a situation where Republicans are genius messengers. They are geniuses at messaging. You don't have a democratic messaging operation like this. You don't have you know, MSNBC has people like me saying things that Democrats are doing wrong. And I say this as right. someone who is a Democrat, right? Right. You don't but on the on Fox and Fox business, you have people who are literally saying, like, Donald Trump is a genius. You should just watch what he does. He's amazing. They're so focused and they're so on message. And they basically say continuously this this same lies over and over again until there is no truth.
2: No, that's absolutely right. So the Democrats need to fight back on this. And, And sometimes they do. I'm not saying they never do. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes they actually adjust their stuff to sidestep the the lies on the right. I want them to stop doing that. I want them to say, you know what? Fuck you. Here are 10 studies that show that handing out these kits to drug addicts makes the country a safer place and prevents people— unfortunate people who are drug addicts from dying maybe do that like own it that's all I want is just own it the same way that the Republicans own the lies and like you said they repeat them over and over again and unfortunately they're lies so what I'm saying is it would be nice if the Democrats did that with the truth just own the truth and and own it and get out there and like you said hammer it home what's being said on Hannity is not true, or yes, we are handing out glass pipes as part of this harm reduction kit for drug addicts. And here's why. And then, you know what? If there, there's always going to be people like the people they're afraid of that get mad at this, they're not going to vote for you anyway. That's my firm view. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe they feel they have to tack to the center. Or they're going to lose these independent voters who might vote Democrats, except they don't want addicts getting crackpipes. So maybe I'm just wrong about this, but (laughs) I just sort of feel like you go down with your best shot, like lay out your case.
1: I would just say that I think what's important here is that Democrats need to fight back. They should not go high exactly right. This is exactly. the Michelle Obama problem. And I like Michelle Obama. She's incredibly smart. She went to law school. She's, you know, very accomplished. but the but the reality is this is a fantasy that, that we go high. We cannot go high. When Democrats go high, they ignore the disinformation misinformation ecosystem right. that we're operating in. There is yep. no high. There is rebut, rebuke, and, you know, attack. You say that's fucking bullshit we're trying to help addicts, what have Republicans done about addiction? Like, you go full throttle, and I think that that's a real big problem that Democrats have.
2: I guess the only thing I would take issue with you on, it's not really you I'm taking issue with on, I'm taking issue with the definition of going high. Because if you're speaking the truth, then you're going high as far as I'm concerned. If your tone is, fuck you, here's the truth, that to me is still going high. So I just I agree they need to mix it up more and I just don't think mixing it up more is is going low is seeding the high ground not if you have the truth on your side
1: right no I agree
2: but but with them they're in, they're in this thing where it's like it's all about sort of tone or decorum this whole when when they go low we go high thing and I'm sorry but we, we are as you, as you said this is where I completely agree with you we are long past that. Time. Right. There is no point in holding the high ground in in that respect in terms of decorum, because all that gets you is continually punched in the groin.
1: So we need to talk about a Texas congressman and it's not Louie Gohmert. I'm sorry to tell you, I hate to bring up a Texas congressman who's not Louie Gohmert because he is the <laughs> dumbest member of Congress. He is a he was a judge. He's running for fucking AG against Ken Paxton. Mm. Ken, I was indicted, Paxton, but no one has brought up the indictments yet. It's been like five years. Again, this is all a supposition at this point. Troy Nell's <laughs> breaking Twitter thread with lots of siren emojis <laughs> and also a little that's, thread. So you know it's the good shit. Right. That's how you know that this is a serious intellectual here. Capitol Police entered my office without my knowledge and photographed confidential legislation- legislative products protected by the speech and debate clause enshrined in the Constitution. What's a legislative product?
3: That's not a term I've ever heard.
1: Exactly. It ain't great. So anyway, this <laughs> caused an entire conservative outrage cycle. They are outraged. But why are they outraged? Why? 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 Because the Capitol Police said the door was open. And when the door is open, their protocol is to just go into the office. Yet another stupid news cycle. But I don't know where this goes. I guess this goes nowhere, right? I mean, basically, Republicans hate the Capitol Police because they tried to stop an armed insurrection on January 6th, right? That's what's happening here. And so they'll just. Right? I mean, that's what we're looking
2: at. Well, yeah, look, what happened was, Molly, despite you carrying water for the Capitol Police.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm a shell for big you Capitol are. Police. Yes. Yeah, you
2: always have been.
1: That's right.
2: What happened here is Nancy Pelosi is very upset that Congressman Nels doesn't support her. So she ordered the Capitol Police to break into Congressman Nels' office and probably uh, just go through his drawers and everything and investigate him and try to come up with some stuff, some dirt that they could get on him in a very sort of Nixonian plan. I'm sorry, if you don't believe that's what's happened, you are not qualified to host this podcast.
1: You know, someone's going to cut this little bit. And we're going to end up hearing it, Uh, you know, right? Uh, Alex Jones is going to be playing it. But yes, uh, no one thinks that Nancy Pelosi controls the Capitol Police. Everyone thinks that this was a stupid mistake and an open door and what happens. But, you know, when everything looks like a conspiracy and all you have is a conspiracy, everything looks like a nail. That's a famous saying, by the way.
0: Uh,
2: I would just like to say that what you said is not true. There are people who believe this, including one congressman, Matt Gates, who is demanding that the Capitol Police chief manager or manger, as uh, Gates spelled it in his tweet.
1: Love that man.
2: Preserve all Capitol Police records related to any investigations into members of Congress uh, because he thinks these revelations are shocking. And if there's anyone that knows things about being under investigation, it is Matt Gates. So Gaetz, I am going to right. defer to his expertise here.
1: Still under FBI investigation, the one, the only, Florida's 1st District, Matt Gaetz. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, delightful, serious, intellectual that she is, did yet another video where she was complaining about the... She wanted to say Gestapo, but instead said Gaspacho.
2: So are you saying it's possible that she's even dumber than... Then Louis Gohmert or uh, or uh, the guy whose name we were the guy or Nels <laughs> I've already forgotten his name <laughs> he's so insignificant
3: Thomas Massey. there's so many to right. choose from
2: like I know you always say Louis Gohmert is the dumbest member of Congress and I really I think that's true on some days. But I think it's it's like a sliding. It's like watching sports standings. Like one day someone's in first place, and then (laughs) another team gets on a real streak, and then they're in first place. And I feel like that's it's the same thing here. Like Louis Gomer is definitely like a preseason favorite to win the division. No
1: question. Yes,
2: but you have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who go on these, they get on these hot streaks, you know, these hot streaks of stupidity, and they climb up the standings. And next thing you know, they're like only like, they're only like a take out of first place. So she's out there now saying that Nancy Pelosi and her Gaspacho police, and the funny thing is, beyond the fact that she said gazpacho and she meant to say Gestapo. You don't say Gestapo police.
1: Right. It would be, it's a little bit redundant. Yes, that is true.
2: It's Gestapo. So it may, it's like, even if she got it right, it would have been stupid, but of course she didn't get it right. And then, so here's the question for you on this, Molly. Like we all agree. I shouldn't say we all agree. I have made it clear. I think she believes everything she says. Cause I think she's just insane. And, and it's not performative for her. I think she, I think she, is a true believer. But I saw a lot of people saying, oh, she said that on purpose because now people are going to make fun of her and she's going to fundraise off of it. Do you think
1: that? I never think that they're ever playing three-dimensional chess. I think they're always just making mistakes. But... That said, I mean, I don't know, maybe. I mean, I just don't think that. I think Gazpacho is really stupid. Like, sometimes they definitely do really, really, really bad stuff, like fighting with Ilhan Omar or saying racist stuff where they're trying to fundraise off of it. But I think with this, she's just dumb.
2: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. But on the other hand, I look, I will say... When I saw the video yesterday of her saying that, I clipped it and just made a shorter video because it was like a 26-second video, and I clipped it to just the part where she says, gazpacho police, and I could not stop listening to it. (laughs) I, I think I killed like an hour of my day just listening to that over and over again because it was so goddamn funny.
3: Hey, folks. If you haven't heard, every single week we do a special bonus episode for Beast Inside the Daily Beast membership program. Sometimes we interview senators like Cory Booker or the folks who explain what's happening behind the scenes in media like Jim Acosta or Soledad O'Brien. Sometimes we just have fun and talk to our favorite comedians and actors like Busy Phillips or Billy Eichner. And sometimes we just have friends around to analyze what's happening in the news. You can get all of our episodes in your favorite podcast app of choice by becoming a Beast Inside member where you'll support the Beast's fearless journalism as well as getting full access to podcasts and articles. To become a member, head to newabnormal.thedailybeast.com. That's newabnormal.thedailybeast.com.
4: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
2: is their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business.
0: Sign up today for your one-dollar-per-month trial period at Shopify.com/abnormal, all lowercase.
2: That's one month for just one dollar at Shopify.com/abnormal, all lowercase.
0: Shopify.com/abnormal.
3: Max Rose is a former congressman from New York's 11th District and is running there again, as well as a senior advisor to the United States Secretary of Defense for COVID-19.
1: Welcome back to the new abnormal, Max Rose.
5: Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be back with you.
1: We have a lot to talk about.
5: Even though you make fun of me all the time.
1: No, not <laughs> not as much as most people. I'm telling you today, I saw the mayor walking down the street and I screamed, Hi, Mayor Adams. And my daughter was, like, so mortified. And I was like, this is what elected people do. Uh-huh. Don't people scream, hi, Congressman Rose, at you?
5: You know, I'm telling you, the only thing that would have upset Mayor Adams is if you hadn't. Yeah. That's right. Hi,
3: Mayor. Or if I had been <laughs> shooting
1: up some cheese.
3: <laughs> or if you're holding a burger, waving it at him. <laughs> right.
1: So, Max, you did a term in Congress— you lost your re-election. You were a very ruby, ruby-red district. And now your district has changed. Can you talk to us about what is happening with redistricting?
5: Yeah, so by the law of New York State, in the event that the Independent Redistricting Commission can't come to a consensus, the buck gets passed to the New York State Legislature. And the New York State Legislature has come down with the, uh, with the new district lines. It has added uh, a certain portion of Brooklyn. Now, you know, a lot of people, I'm giving this a lot of attention and, oh, uh, Max, you know, the district has changed, whatever, whatever. I was running in this district well before this was announced. I've represented this district under its previous configuration. So district lines are relatively irrelevant to me, but we are certainly going to go to every community throughout the district from Carroll Gardens and Borough Hill and Park Slope on the Brooklyn side to, You know Sunset Park and Bay Ridge as well on the Brooklyn side, all the way up to the south shore of of Staten Island. I'm just looking forward to this. There's nothing better than this. Nothing better.
1: (laughs) In this new districting, Staten Island and Brooklyn will be together. It will be more of what the city is like in the way that it goes politically. Is that correct?
5: No, I would disagree with that. It was Staten Island and Brooklyn previously. Albeit some of the neighborhoods have shifted. And the previous district was representative of, as Mayor Dinkins once said, New York City's beautiful cultural mosaic. The new <laughs> district certainly has its peculiarities um, and its quirks. Every district does. This is by no sense of the word like some type of knockout home run for Democrats, blah, blah, blah. This is a it is a competitive district. It, it will be a competitive election, and this will be a seat and a campaign where, just like my other campaigns, I'm not going to shift what I believe, shift what I talk about in accordance with you know what some district lines look like, what some polls look like. By the way, there's some stuff that I wouldn't have done last time around had I been someone that just followed polls. Right. Like what? I would have voted to impeach Donald Trump if I had just followed polls. What the hell is the point of doing this job if you're not willing to risk it all to do the right thing? You know, here I am sitting here, Molly, right? I'm a former elected official. Life is not bad. It ain't bad. <laughs> it's like, what, what are you so afraid of, dude? And, and what, what is ironic to me is all this chat of political gerrymandering this and that, I had the opportunity to vote against political gerrymandering and I did it. The only person in my race who has not who has voted against or in support of gerrymandering is is my opponent Nicole Maliauskas. So it's laughable that now you know they're showing these crocodile tears in the face of this process. But this this campaign will be in the end very simple, all right? It's about beating back the pandemic, it's about taming inflation, it's about getting our damn lives back, and it's about finally putting government on the side of working people. You know, I see no reason why we can't unite this district, as diverse as it may be, ideologically speaking, or politically speaking, around universal child care, around universal paid medical family leave, around things like ensuring that we don't send our men and women to needless, unnecessary wars. I don't see why we can't unite this district around things like a child tax credit. We should be encouraging families in this country, not the other way around. So I'm looking forward to this debate. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, and I'm looking forward going door to door. It's where I was last night. And it's where I'm going to be tonight.
1: So let's talk about your opponent. She's been pretty Trumpy.
5: Yeah, well, it's fascinating. You know, in 2017, when she ran for mayor... She, she hated Donald Trump. She was against him and this and that. And then when she set her sights on a new district, uh, she, she became a fully-owned subsidiary of Donald Trump. And Who, who knows if there's, ever, if there's going to be another reincarnation of, of, my, of my opponent. But what, what I find abhorrent and reprehensible is the vote that was taken on January 6th, when we saw that a big lie... This notion that this election was not real, catalyzed and inspired and uh, fueled literally uh, a violent insurrection or the attempt at such. And then when elected officials were given the opportunity after cops were beaten, after an institution and a building that we hold so dear was desecrated, when they were given an opportunity to finally stand up and say that this big lie was not true, they still voted such as my opponent, to not certify the election. You know, I've watched, I've sworn an oath to the Constitution multiple times. And I've watched people I love get hurt right before my eyes in Afghanistan after they swore that oath. There's some things that are more important than appealing to your base. There's some things that are more important than politics. And, And our country and the future of our democracy is at the top of the list for me on that one.
1: So talk to me. You are going to do a lot of campaigning, even if the district has changed, in very red places. So so one of the things we talk a lot about in pundit land is how do Democrats sell red voters? Let's go. Tell me how you sell yourself to red voters.
5: What's fascinating here and what I'm really making an effort to do is to go on, uh, you know, to have as many conversations as possible to go on as much conservative media as possible, it's actually, you know, they don't always accept your invitation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, what have you tried to go on Fox?
5: All the time. And trying to, you know, I'll go on Ben Shapiro, for instance. The, The dude doesn't return emails. So, like, it's a fascinating situation where, like, you know, I'm not quite certain that the people that are seeking to promulgate this you know, this division in this country that are profiting from it. Right. That they always want to do it, that they always want to have a conversation.
1: You're saying that Ben Shapiro won't debate you?
5: (laughs) Look, maybe, who knows who's answering his emails. I have no idea what's going on. All I'm trying to tell you is, is that there's not a conversation that I won't turn down. And I think that it was put politics aside for a second. I think that this is what our country really needs. I I recently went on a radio station, Bernie and Sid. I'm not sure if you've ever listened to it. Uh, No. (laughs) You know, they're they're a bit more conservatively aligned, to say the least. Uh, They certainly didn't always have the nicest of things to say about me. But I went on for 30 minutes on their show and the conversation was substantive we disagreed about a hell of a lot but it was substantive and it ended on warm terms now maybe the political consultants out there that say that's the wrong thing to do but it's the damn right thing to do for our country if we if we build up this media ecosystem where there are just two separate lanes that people operate in and we're constantly just preaching to the you know the converted i don't i think that we are just going to continue to see our uh, dynamics increasingly more polarized. You layer on top of that, these social media algorithms that only feed you things that get you even more upset and furious. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will go on and have any conversation possible because I think it's for the good of the country. And I'm certainly going to be campaigning in every single community on Staten Island and in in the Brooklyn portion, of the district as well.
1: Good luck to you. What is your kind of plan now?
5: Well, said, Molly, it's, it's actually very complex. It involves getting more votes than my <laughs> opponent. <laughs> we put a lot of thought into this. Look, I'll tell you. Let me let me start off, Molly. Here, all right, first of all. We're not going to slice and dice the electorate. We're not about to say one thing in one place and another thing in another place and this and that. What this is mostly about, in the end, from my perspective, what I look at politics as, is as a trust-building process and a process of really deep communication that it can't just occur uh, through intermediaries. And it can't just occur in those venues whereby people are supposedly uh, who have the time to go and visit those venues. And we're going right to people's doorstep. We're going right to, you know, people where, where, where they're going to, to, uh, to transport for transportation. When it comes down to it, it's about presenting a vision of America and a vision of, for New York City and a vision for Staten Island and Brooklyn, that centers around truly protecting that which we hold most dear, our public safety, access to justice, uh, a really solid position for the working class and the middle class and saying that, look, this is this is goddamn America. All right. There's nothing that we can't overcome we can, to include things like climate change. Uh, and so no one is going to have any confusion about where I stand on things.
1: I hear your Democratic primary might get interesting. Can we talk about that?
5: <laughs> you guys are a riot, man. Look, There are rumors that our former mayor, uh, Bill de Blasio, might jump in the race. The district now does include his home. We're going to let the former mayor go through his process, uh, whatever process that may be. And irrespective of who jumps in this thing, I'm very confident that we're going to have an extraordinary primary win, which will lead up to an extraordinary win in the general election. That's all that matters here.
1: Can you imagine how insane it's going to be if de Blasio runs in the primary for Congress? Like, it doesn't even make any sense, Max.
5: It's going to be raucous. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Look, <laughs> politics is a crazy business.
1: <laughs>
5: Thank you, Max. <laughs> Thank you so much, Molly. I really appreciate it.
3: Zach Petrizzo is a reporter at The Daily Beast.
1: Welcome back to the new abnormal of The Daily Beast, Zach Petrizzo.
4: Thanks so much for having me back, Jesse, Molly. Great to be back.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about Hugh Hewitt, conservative podcast host. Actually, he's a radio host. He said the quiet part loud.
4: Hugh an interesting case. I mean, he kinda said said the quiet part out loud the other day when he was talking about January 6th, and he basically admitted to, you know, his 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 now really conservative base at Salem. Radio that, you know, he's not really Into talking about January 6th because his Listeners will, quite frankly, turn him off um, And so, so this kind of Shows more and more that the Salem radio base over there You know, with other hosts like Sebastian Gorka and the whole cast of characters At Salem are just becoming increasingly Pro-Trump, pro-Trump, pro-Trump And even, you know, Hugh Hewitt Who is kind of a holdout to some extent Has more, you know, journalistic characters On um, and more reporter Types on, you know, is like, look, I can't even talk because my own listeners won't even listen. Pretty sad. Right. Zach, can I ask a question
3: about Salem radio? Is it like. Themed that it's all like cultural witch hunts? Is that why it's called that or is it something else? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Great question. You know, yeah, I'm not sure about the name, but I do know that, that Salem has become, you know, increasingly at war over becoming not even Trumpian enough, right? We saw Mike Lindell right. wage a war against Salem because they weren't pushing his, you know, kind of bonkers conspiracies about the 2020 election. So they, they've kind of been put in the crosshair because at the end of the day, the people that are paying Salem's bills for the most part are people like the Fish Oil Snake Company (laughs) that promotes stuff with Sub Gorka and also, uh, you know, my pillow
1: freedom ride one, two, three freedom dirt
4: <laughs>
1: no, but this isn't anyway let's talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene
4: <laughs> yeah, apparently she doesn't know the difference between a, a cold soup the police uh, during the, the era of Nazi Germany it, it's uh it's an interesting little uh, mistake there but it seems like she's really uh, kind of basking in the mistake and making a, kind of a, a, a way with it I mean, she posted something on Twitter kind of mocking herself so it seems like she's even uh, kind of in on the joke
1: was that an intent Intentional
4: mistake? I think it was uh, not intentional. I I think she just kind of messed up there and and kind of turned it into something, you know, possibly as another fundraising opportunity or whatever. Have I think (laughs) she's always kind of quick with these things. I know at the Daily Beast we reported that you know on Facebook she claimed that she got a three day ban. She was placed in Facebook jail. Turns out that (laughs) never even happened. It was like one of her administrators. So I think she's quick with the words. Can you explain though what like Facebook jail would be like? I feel like
3: I'm in prison that I have to keep using. Facebook, but she's saying this is a bad thing. Can you explain that?
4: Yeah. It, you know, Facebook jail, conservatives love to claim they're in Facebook jail anytime they, they kind of feel they're being censored. One of the things that keeps getting a lot of people on Facebook, especially in these right-wing Trump wing circles, is like them claiming that masks just don't work at all. And, right. you know, all these tech companies have have pretty clear terms of service, you know, expelling all this and kind of being like, "Look, you can't can't say that. That's just not true." They direct them to their COVID nineteen you know medical information center, etc. And, and this kind of seems to have gotten Marjorie Taylor Greene kind of hung up on Facebook, and and uh, the post was taken down. But she was never put in jail. She was never put in jail for three days or anything like that. She remains kind of having one strike on Facebook, and she has to violate the terms of service many more times before she'll actually be banned, uh, like she was banned on Twitter.
1: Oh, interesting. Again, we get back to the question of, is this stupid? Is this performative moronics? Is this real moronics? And where is this more true than one with one Dan Bongino? Explain to us the newest Dan Bongino quote-unquote controversy.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It seems like every time we turn around, Dan Bongino is kind of, kind of, you know, falling into uh, a trap in trying to own the libs, right? He lives by the MO. One must own the libs every day, right? And, and he's kind of set out on this voyage uh, in, in terms of big tech. So, of course, we saw him launch Parler and Parler really <laughs> never worked out. He tried to, of course, um, you know, he, he got into a, a legal battle that he ultimately lost against the Daily Beast. I mean, it, it's just kind of, like Continual with this with this uh, drunk world character, I guess, and and now he hosts a Fox News show on Saturday nights. And long story short, he put up a graphic this past Saturday night showing, you know, he he was kind of going on a riff and claiming, you know, all these Democratic cities are are the unhealthiest places. Turns out, um, his Fox News staff and him misread this data within this website and extrapolated the. Complete opposite (laughs) of what this research was saying. So ultimately, he had to, you know, kind of issue a retraction. And in doing so, Fox News had to come out and say, look, this is totally wrong. But it's kind of the latest faceplant for Dan.
1: Interesting. And with this far right, what are the ideas they're shopping for the midterms?
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say, look, it's like we're we're coming up on the midterms, of course. We have a lot of pro-Trump, Trumpian characters trying to court the endorsement of Trump. Right So we saw, of course, Vermin Jones get an endorsement by Trump, which has kind of set off a lot of bells and a lot of anger on the on the right wing. For example, the gentleman running in Georgia, the far right um, is accusing him of a host of things. He used to be a Democrat, so they're bringing this back up. but he does have a Trump endorsement. so it's left his primary competitor Collins to kind of try to attack Vermin Jones over you know his old you know, kind of old things. Um, so it's kind of reamping all these old rivalries in, in right wing media and more centrally, you know, especially as we come up to CPAC at the end of February, we see more and more people try to, you know, kind of get on board with Trump, um, look for his endorsement and, you know, in the process, get into plenty of heated wars with uh, their fellow, you know, right wing primary Opponents,
1: right? So it, we're going to see a lot of Republican on Republican violence now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. I mean, you're going to see a lot of a, a lot of Republicans kind of go toe to toe. Whether that's you know Roger Stone jumping in a bunch of races as this campaign advisor of sorts from you know yeah up and down the East Coast, uh, and he's involved in some big ones in Florida. <laughs> Could you tell us who he's uh, advising? I'm very curious. Long story short, there's this character up in New Jersey. His name is Mike Crispy. And this is a gentleman (laughs) who used to be on Right Side Broadcasting Network. um, And he's running against another Republican congressman up there, posing himself as this more right-wing character. So there's a war going on up there. And then, of course, in Florida, Roger Stone is involved in in, in countless races, including one going against Anna Paulina, who was a Trump-backed candidate, who they're trying to get Trump to kind of overturn... You know, his endorsement of her. Why? All stemming from this dog biting incident. They claim Anna Paulina. Wait, what? Yeah.
1: <laughs> dog <laughs> yeah. biting incident? Explain this to us because it's so stupid.
4: Yeah, yeah. Over at the Daily Beast, my colleague and I, Will Sommer, kind of reported this a bit ago. But but there was kind of a, an, an altercation between Anna Paulina, this congressional candidate's dog, had actually bit someone in the park. And her opponents used this as an attack, uh, you know, to kind of levy against her. Um, And they're also calling her, you know, support for the military fake. They're claiming she wasn't in the military, all these things. And they're trying to basically drag her down.
1: She's a Republican and a Trump candidate, though.
4: Yes, yes, and Trump endorsed. I should, I should add.
1: And she's crazy, right? Too.
4: Yeah, I mean, they, there's uh, there's plenty of tension there. I know she's she's gone back. She's she's apologized for her dog biting this child. <laughs> that happened, and then, of course, you know, I think Roger Stone and his allies saw this as an opportunity to claim a whole host of things, including, you know, that 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 she and her dog are reckless.
1: Yeah. Whoa. Do they think that Trump will withdraw a nomination and give it to someone else? I mean, certainly stranger things have happened.
4: Yeah, this is this is what those cast characters are really banking on. I mean, from Anna Pauline, from, from that race in particular, they're hoping that he kind of pulls pulls that endorsement and gives it to someone who's more Trumpian. I will say that, like, people— yeah, I hate to go back to this, but Mike Lindell, of course, people like Stu Peters, this far right radio host, even this guy by the name of Mike Crispy, they all kind of believe that, you know, Trump is, is going to somehow get new advisors and they think that he's going to turn into like the Trump of 2016, for example, and be more brass. And they think ultimately these kind of like deep state shills. Uh, for lack of a better word, are kind of surrounding Trump currently and having a big impact on him endorsing these candidates, of course, that they call, you know, rhinos or the new ones, uh, re-bloodikins. So it's like a plan, like, Republicans, but re Like, they're out because they're pushing the COVID-19 vaccine. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re-bloodikins? re Yeah, I, I, I think I got that right.
1: It's so stupid.
4: <laughs> you know, it's, it's increasingly I mean, you, you saw, of course, Alex Jones Get upset with Trump over the vaccines There's still anger over that I know Wayne Alla Root. This past week, had an interview with Trump, who was the gentleman, who's the right wing radio host that said that Trump needs an intervention. Trump sat down with this guy, um, and I think Trump's trying to save his own behind from all these angry right wingers who are, you know, pretty upset that you know he was pushing the COVID vaccine during his administration, and, and, and think that uh, maybe he shouldn't be president again because he's so, uh, you know, in the tank for with uh, big pharma. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I,
3: I I have to say this whole last section, I feel like I'm uh, watching an HBO Max trailer because Wayne Allen Root definitely sounds like a bad guy on Deadwood and Mike Crispy definitely sounds like a character on The Sopranos. He certainly <laughs> does. Yet. I think you're 100%, 100%. right there. Yeah, yeah.
4: It's, it is. It, I mean, these char- some of these characters you find, especially in Trump world, you, you just think to yourself, how in the heck did all this come about? I mean, it really makes you <laughs> just wow. Well,
1: thank you so much, Zach, for joining us.
4: Thank you for having me.
3: What's crazier than QAnon? More outlandish than Pizzagate? And scarier than a Mexican getaway with Ted Cruz? The answer is what the American right wing has planned next. Be one of the first to listen to Fever Dreams, the new podcast from the Daily Beast tracking the conspiracy slingers, orange acolytes, and straight-up grifters pushing to retake power. Every Wednesday, hosts Swin Subasang and Will Summer checking in on the movement of the radical right. Head to dailybeast.com slash podcasts or your favorite podcast player to catch the first episode and get subscribed. That's Fever Dreams, which you can subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Andy Levy.
3: Molly Johnfest.
1: So we have sort of a a very nice fuck that guy where the two meet in a very (laughs) circuitous (laughs) and interesting way.
2: I was going to say we're Uh, both fucking the same guy, but that doesn't (laughs) sound... Yikes. No,
1: not good. Who is your fuck that guy?
2: My fuck that guy is uh, someone you may be familiar with. He is a former president of the United States. Um, He used to live here in New York City, and now he lives in Florida. I am talking, of course, about Donald J. Trump it was reported on uh, Thursday, when the day we are taping this, that the uh, January 6th committee uh, has found significant gaps in the official White House telephone logs from the day of the riot, from the day of January 6th. And that they found few records of calls by President Trump in these critical hours when investigators knew that he was making them. This is the New York Times reported this out. They're not saying that any records were deleted or were, you know, tampered with or anything. But what they're saying is basically and that Trump was known to not use the phone that he as president was supposed to be using to make phone calls and instead would like grab the phone of of his aides or use a private phone, which, again, not supposed to do that. So the committee is having trouble tracking down all these phone calls that they know he made. Now, hopefully, they'll get them from the other end from the people he called. Between this and we talked earlier in the week about the the National Archives stuff that he took all these documents down to Mar-a-Lago with them in you know in contravention of the law. And this is all of a piece. And you know, I hate bringing up the but her emails thing because. I do think Hillary fucked up, so and I, don't, and I don't want to downplay that. But considering how much effort was expended on his part and on Republicans' part going after Hillary, it is absolutely amazing that he did all this stuff, which is 500%, 5,000% worse than what she did. And nobody seems to care, and it's like it becomes this little story because he's done so much other shit that you can't keep hammering at every thing because the next day there's another thing. But all of this is really, really bad. And I, what I'm saying is he, his ass should be thrown in jail and fuck that guy.
1: Yes, that's a very good point. Yeah. And my fuck that guy is uh, Donald doesn't know how to get rid of documents. Trump, who Maggie Haberman has a book coming out. New reporting says that one of the problems with the White House plumbers was the White House plumbing because Donald Trump was trying to flush documents down the toilet. And there's also reporting Mm -hmm. that Donald Trump was also trying to eat documents. (laughs) For that, I say, I don't fucking, what the fuck? I mean, Merrick Garland, where are you? This would be illegal for anyone else.
2: It's illegal for him.
1: Yeah, but no, it's not. If the Justice Department decides it's too hot to handle, then that's where we go.
2: I know. But it's just weird. We've gone from, like, the White House plumbers, which was the group under Nixon that did all the spying and tried to figure out who leaked the Pentagon Papers, and now we have the White House plumbing problems because Trump was ripping up documents and trying to flush them down the toilet. Like, if you're old enough, you really thought it probably could never get worse than Nixon. And-